The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union now offers Cultivate Farm Finance and is ready to support local farmers. Cultivate is a farm finance option available from 40 credit unions around Ireland, including Access and Bantry Credit Unions here in West Cork. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by their credit union. To find out more, go to www.accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate or call on 028-21883. Cultivate is a loan specifically designed for farmers that provides short to medium term loan opportunities built specifically around the growing needs of our farming members. Close your eyes and pull like a and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor, Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. West Cork Athletics is going through something of a boom period at present, with athletes from the region regularly making headlines at the biggest national and international events. So with the Irish Life Health National Indoor Senior Championships set to take place at Abbottstown this weekend, we thought we'd better talk to two of the biggest stars in the sport. The Ballonine Bullet, Phil Healy is Ireland's fastest ever woman and an Olympic finalist, while Glengariff's Dara McElhinney is one of the sport's most exciting up-and-comers who recently won gold and silver medals at the Under-23 European Cross-Country Championships. Both Phil and Dara will be hoping to make a big impression this weekend ahead of the world indoors in Belgrade in March, and we'll hear from both on today's podcast. Later in the week, we'll have a special GAA podcast for you when we're joined by Cork GAA CEO Kevin O'Donovan. We'll be chatting to Kevin about a whole host of topics, including edge year in concerts, club fixtures and structures, and the appointment of Keith Ricken as Cork boss. And as I mentioned, we'll release that one later in the week, probably on Thursday. But the focus is athletics today, Kieran. So we might leave discussions about the dismal weekend results for the Cork men's and women's sides until then because there's good news in West Cork sport at the moment and a big part of that is the performance of our athletes and I know you have a very special feature coming up in this week's Southern Star Sports section which is documenting this boom period as I called it so maybe give us some background on it before we chat to both Phil and Dara. I think you hit the nail on the head, Jack. It is a boom period for West Cork Athletics. And it's just brilliant to see from the from the likes of Phil Healy, Ireland's fastest woman, all the way down to some of the younger athletes, the likes of 
Jane Buckley from Newcastle who's going to head over to Rhode Island um, on a sports scholarship later this year to the likes of Maeve O'Neill from Donny's Athletic Club to even the young Fionn Harrington who's actually on a sports scholarship over in America right now as is another Bendon AC athlete Laura Nicholson so we've so many different West Cork athletes who are achieving great things at the moment like we like we know Phil Healy she's an, an Olympian she made history last year Dara McElhinney makes headlines whether it's cross country indoor or outdoor but it's the likes too of Shane Howard from Bendon Athletic Club, who was uh, the former men's um, indoor and outdoor Irish long jump champion. Look at Nicola Tuttle, just a teenager from Kilbritton, who, when she was just 16 years old, won the Irish senior women's um, hammer title, which is a phenomenal achievement. And uh, as far as I know, Nicola had a brilliant result last weekend too, when she qualified for the for the World Under-20 Championships in Colombia later this year. So it's just great to see West Cork Athletics right now um, very much on the front foot and Lauren McCourt from Shannon, who runs for, for, for Bendon AC is another name to mention here as is Dermot O'Connor another Bendon athlete um, who set the Irish under 20 men's decathlon record at the European under 20 championships last year and that's almost the tip of the iceberg stuff because Athletics in West Cork right now is just, it, it's just booming, Jack. It really, really is. And it's its just great to see. And in this week's Southern Star, we're looking at some of the, the top athletes that are putting West Cork on the map. And it almost comes back to, to what we spoke about on the podcast before, how our local athletes are doing so well, even though we don't have the facilities here in West Cork for them. And that's why Bend and Athletic Clubs planned new um, full full-size outdoor running track 400 meter running track will be such a game changer here in West Cork it's going to be incredible and they'll have all the other outdoor facilities too for the long jump for the hammer and so on so when that comes on online hopefully spring summer next year like that's such a boost to to West Cork athletics but to West Cork sport in general because we'll have a top class facility right here in our own back door and hopefully that will that will help inspire the next generation of West Cork athletes yeah, well, as we mentioned in this Thursday, Southern Star, Kieran's going to document many of the athletes he's mentioned there. But on today's podcast, we're going to focus on two of the more high profile of those, and that's Phil Healy and Dara McElhenney. And Kieran, before we hear from Phil and Dara, maybe give us an idea of where they are in their seasons at the moment and what are their prospects at the National Indoor Championships this weekend, because you'd assume both will be in strong contention for medals. Yeah, so the National Senior Indoor Championships will take place at the Sport Ireland National Sport Campus this Saturday and Sunday. And in Phil Healy and Darren McElhinney, we have two real medal prospects. So quick look at Phil. Um, Phil's been in super form so far in her indoor season. Um, just two weeks ago, she ran a new 400-meter indoor PB when she clocked 51.74 so that puts her second on the all-time Irish list. And she's just behind Karen Shinkin's Irish indoor record of 51-58. That was set 20 years ago. So Phil is closing in on another national record there. And she's in great form, like I said. She's had three sub-52 second 400-meter runs so far this year. So if everything goes according to plan, she is the, the athlete to beat in the women's 400 meter this weekend, she'll have a bit of competition from the likes of Sophie Becker and Roisin Harrison. But you would think with the with the class and the form of Phil that she's um she's favoured for gold. And 
she's already Jack between indoor and outdoor. She's won 14 senior national gold medals since um, 2014. Like that's incredible. Um, first for the longevity and her dominance in, in Irish women's sprinting. And that goes from 60 meter indoors all the way up to 400 meter outdoors. So across all the different um, sprint events, indoors and outdoors, Phil has won gold. So she's just a, She's, we call her the queen of Irish sprinting for a reason. And hopefully she'll be sitting on her throne again this Sunday evening. And then Dara McElhaney, only 21 years, age, 21 years of age, but already he's amassed an incredible collection of medals, records and honours. And again, the good news is heading into the men's 3000 metres this weekend, Dara is in top form at a race in Metz in France there a couple of weeks ago. He set a new indoor 3000 meter PB for himself. He ran 7.45.91 and he took five seconds off his previous PB. And it's also a new Irish under 23 men's 3000 meter record. And it qualifies him for the World Indoor Championships in Belgrade next month. And that'll be his, his big target coming up. And just to mention that Phil will be competing at the World Indoors in Belgrade next month as well. So Dara's form right now puts him in a right in contention and in the conversation for medals this weekend in the men's 3000 metres. And I think the good news is when Dara ran his PB a couple of weeks back, um, when he crossed the line, of course, he was delighted to run a new PB, but he felt there was even more in there. So that's very encouraging that he thinks that there's even more to come. And we might see that this weekend. Well, those championships take place across Saturday and Sunday. I'm not sure, Kieran, if there is television coverage. I'm sure there will be somewhere. And if not, I'm sure there'll be plenty of streaming coverage online on YouTube. So you'll be able to follow all the West Cork athletes involved online but for now let's hear from Dara McElhenney and first Phil Healy we've had Storm Dudley Storm Eunice and Storm Franklin and Storm Phil Healy is going to take the Nationals by Storm this weekend welcome to the podcast again Phil thanks William for having me on Karen that's one of my better intros and better promos so I'm going to hold <laughs> on to that one but um no, looking ahead to the the Nationals this weekend it's the the Irish senior indoor championships but given how experienced you are would you still have nerves coming up to an event like this oh definitely and I even look say we competed at the start of January there in the national indoor league and I was so nervous and I knew that there wasn't going to be anyone in the race that was going to challenge me but I was so nervous in comparison to say two weeks later I was at the world indoor tour racing the top athletes in the world and I didn't have the same nerves but I think it's more so because it was first our first race out mm-hmm. um and different things like that but uh, no 100% will have nerves at the weekend um and I think it's normal to have nerves because otherwise I'd be like why am I so relaxed you know because when it comes to these uh, the, the national senior indoor and outdoor championships like you're a pro at this stage you've won 14 senior national titles between the indoor and outdoor which is which is just incredible and I, I think six of those were were indoor at the 60 meters, the 200 and the 400. But for our listeners, Phil, besides the obvious difference between the indoor and the outdoor championships, obviously one being indoors and one being outdoors, what are the main differences between both? Yeah, so especially over 400, it um, is one lap outdoors and indoors it is um, two 200 meter laps. So um, that certainly is a lot more challenging in terms of who's in the race because we all... um, cut into the same lane after 150 meters so you have to put yourself in the 
in the best position possible to be at the, the break. Um, otherwise, you can get caught in a lot of traffic and it can be game over from there because it is very hard to pass. Um, with the two bins, it is really hard to pass on the bins. Um, so you really only have the straights to pass on. So you do have to put yourself in that, in that good position. And even looking at the other events, it's 60 meters indoors, it's 100 meters outdoors, um, and then the 200 is very fun to run indoors, I find, in comparison to outdoors. So uh, it's certainly, indoors, I suppose, is a lot more entertaining in some events compared to outdoors, um, but I certainly enjoy doing the, the indoors. Tactics come into play a lot more so in indoors, and how much of that tactical side of athletics do you like and enjoy? Yeah, it certainly it does come to play because you have to see who's in the race and some people go off like really, really hard and get to the the 200 break really quick. But that doesn't mean that they're going to survive the rest of the race as well. So with 400, I suppose it does come down to a small margins. If you go through that belt too quickly, it can cost you. And 400 is a long ways um, if you go through um too quick but uh, then you can go through too slow and um, you're not going to have the race executed correctly either so it does come into play but I suppose you can go over the tactics of who's in the race um, over and over again but the race is going to play out um, itself when you're when you're in it so you do have to act on your feet um, and I suppose experience comes um, to play in 400 meters a lot because I've certainly made the mistakes through the years but you I definitely have that experience gained from major championships and different races indoors and that would stand to you a lot more than racing outdoors I suppose. Do you think we're seeing the best version of Phil Healy right now given what you said there about you've had those experiences of those huge international championships over the last couple of years you, you've learned from mistakes that, that, that you feel you might have made in races that you feel now that you're at that stage in your career where you can be the very best you can be because physically in top shape but also because you have that experience as well now. Yeah, definitely. And I even probably look at the World Indoor Tour there in Germany at the end of January. Should I push to the bell a little bit more and got ahead of that Polish athlete? Probably should have, but I didn't. Um, so, like, I suppose you can you still make the mistakes, like, along the way. But, um, yeah, you, like, that experience certainly has stood to me. And um, I go into races a lot more confident in terms of how they're going to like how I'm going to act in the races or I've made these moves before and I know that it works and um yeah like it it definitely it definitely has stood to me um right through to now and hopefully um in the years going uh, forward as well we're thinking back over the last couple of years Phil obviously you've you've won national titles at all different sprint distances and look back to last year's Olympics you competed in the 200 and the 400 but you're concentrating on the 400 indoor this season why so yeah and I suppose when you come to the major championships, so we have World Indoor Championships this year um, around Patrick's weekend. Um, so there is no 200 metres indoors at a major championship. Um, so I enjoy running the indoors and I've qualified for the World Indoor Championship. So that is going to be our main focus. But I suppose this weekend with nationals, I also have a World Indoor Tour next week in um, Madrid. So just after nationals on the Wednesday. But I suppose if I didn't have that, I would have done the 200 and the 400 at nationals this weekend. I know I am in really good 200 meter shape, but I just haven't had the opportunity to race the 200s yet this season. Um, but the 200 would be more so far, I suppose, for fun indoors, um, especially when it doesn't really count for anything um, in terms of major championships. But as we look into outdoor season then as well, I will probably race the 200s 
here and there, but the 400 will be the, the main focus as we um, head on into the outdoor season. European outdoors will be the main focus. We do have World, in, World Outdoor Championships as well. It is a very busy year because they were postponed from 2021 because of COVID and we never have a European outdoors and a World Outdoors on the same year. So um, they're only four weeks apart. One is in America, one is in Germany. So that obviously um, creates a bit of, I suppose, planning and logistics as well, because even with time zones and recovering from your, bo your body, recovering after you come back, will we choose both? We don't know yet, but that's a problem for a few weeks' time. And looking ahead to this weekend and the senior indoor national championships you've been tearing it up on the track and the indoor 400 meters so far this year so you had a 5197 a 5196 and then a couple of weeks back a new pb of 5174 uh, how much of a confidence boost is that phil to to, to to record a time like that but also to show that all your hard work is paying off yeah and it's massive knowing like that these are three sub 52 second runs in my first three races of the indoor season two of them have been completely solo um, the World Indoor Tour in Germany it isn't the the best of tracks but it's a great meet so like I know that there is there is a big time in me yet like the Polish athlete that just picked me um, at the World Indoor Tour in Germany went on to run almost a second quicker a week later so um, yeah there is there is positives in there and um, I'm very confident going into um, World Indoor Championships that I'm in this form but 400 meters in Europe especially is red hot at the moment, but across the world as well. Like I remember going to World Indoor Championships in 2018 and I had a 52.08 that ranked me fifth or sixth at the time going into the championship. I now have a 51.74 and I think I'm ranked 12th. So um, <laughs> it, it really has um, ups um, across the event um, and by every athlete. So there's nothing separating like the top 25 athletes in the world at the moment so um it will be a very exciting few weeks um and hopefully i can build on the form that i have now and even go quicker in the week ahead is karen chinkins 5158 her irish 400 meter indoor record is that in your sights look i suppose records are there to be broken and it is very very close to that record and like just over a tenth of a second is absolutely nothing over 400 meters. Um, if I do break it, an absolute bonus, and it shows like that's a, a record that has stood for I think it's 20 years. So like it shows that 400 meter running in Ireland certainly is uh, breaking new barriers. But there's nothing to say that that record could be broken by the likes of Rashida a couple of weeks later again. So um, it I show I suppose it shows that barriers, as I said, are being broken. Um, but in the end of the day. I could go out, say, to um, uh, World Indoor Championships, could be running 52 seconds, but get through the rounds. That's more important than the than the times as such when it comes to um, a major championship. But look, everyone wants to, to run quick and um, have, have these records as well. But um, yeah, it's all about just being in the right race, executing the race. And if you do both, then the times will come. Like you saw last year, when I was at European Indoors, um, in the final, it was being in the right race. We went through the, the 200 meter um, split really quick. Um, and I did run a PB at the end of it as well. So um, the right race will get the best performance out of you. Um, so fingers crossed for the week ahead.
you mentioned Rashida Adelecki there and I'm just thinking straight away of your duel in the 200 metres at the Irish Outdoor National Championships last year which was a, a race for the ages Phil and in fairness to Rashida she's had a superb start to the season as well and so does that extra competition almost spur you on to know that there's another top class Irish athlete there who's pushing you all the way and she's she's posting past times as well like do, do you thrive off competition like that? 100% and like I remember like years previous like Amy Foster was dominating the 60 and I, I suppose was uh, the young one coming through um, whereas now I'm the older side of things and Rashid is coming right through and there's great talent across all events in Irish athletics at the moment um, especially with the younger athletes coming through and that's what you want to see it's healthy competition and um, someone is always going to to take your place and that's always across all the sports but it's great to see Irish athletics moving in the right direction. Rashida has a phenomenal year so far. She took my 200 meter record indoor. Um, she actually broke it outright as well because it was faster than the outdoor record. Um, but this is like Irish athletics is going to, to new levels. It shows everybody has to up their game. And the 60 meter record only lasted something like five or six days. Um, we've had records over a thousand meters the lads have gone sub four minutes in the mile. Like it's it's just unbelievable to see Irish athletics going to to new levels, and that gets, as I said, everybody to up their game across all the events. It's been a brilliant start to the year for Irish athletics. Like you said, there, the amount of records and TVs that have been set in the first couple of weeks of the year has been incredible. But to finish off, I just want to ask you about Bendon Athletic Club. They got a huge boost lately they got a huge sports capital grant to go towards the the club's planned new facility and when this does come to fruition it'll be the first 400 meter all-weather track in west cork there'll be proper facilities right here in west cork for local athletes to train on so that means west cork kids and teenagers at least they won't have to travel up to the city anymore to to, to use the mtu facilities like this when it does come to fruition phil this will be a, a game changer for west cork athletics Oh, this is absolutely massive. And to everybody involved in the athletic club that have made this possible and all others that um, contributed to the sport and helping get the grant. It's unbelievable. And not just for athletics, so many sports will be able to use this facility. Like this is absolutely massive for Bandon and its surrounding areas. And like me growing up as a kid, we would always have to have gone to CIT. So having this top class facility in Bandon town is going to be absolutely unbelievable the club has already gone from strength to strength and adding this facility in will just take it to a whole new level and I suppose it will encourage a lot more um, kids growing up now to get involved in the sport that this facility is there and hopefully we see great talent coming through in Bangladesh Athletic Club and right through West Cork as well because this is unbelievable for the for the surrounding area. And I suppose the likes of Billy Good and Catherine Duggan, who would have been the stalwarts of Bandon AC right through the years. This is something that they've always wanted. Um, unfortunately, they weren't there to, to see it come to fruition, but no doubt that they are um, proud of all the the movement that Bandon Athletic Club is making and is only going to go to, to new levels with this facility. Good times for West Cork Athletics and hopefully fast times for Phil Healy this weekend. The very best to look, Phil. Super, Kieran. Thanks a million. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about Cultivate Farm Finance. So, Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So, Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. 
Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, the loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be uh, personalized and customized to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and um, machinery purchases, like there's a fertilizer crisis now, as we know. Um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer, depending on their enterprise. Um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan, which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today, how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800-839-999. And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. We're going to complete the Holy Trinity of Athletics on this week's Star Sport podcast because we've had Darren McElhinney on before talking about the outdoor. We've had him on talking about cross country and he's heroics there. And now we're talking about indoor with the National Indoor Championships coming up this weekend. Welcome back to the podcast, Darren. Thanks very much, Karen. Good to be back. Like I, like I said, yeah, we, we've talked to you before about, about outdoor and your your achievements there. I'm thinking back two years ago at the National Seniors when you won the, the men's 5,000 metre and then obviously the cross country just in December when you uh, won a brilliant silver medal at the European cross country. And now it's indoor. So talk to me a bit about indoor and how much you enjoy it. Yeah, I, to be honest, I absolutely love indoor racing. I think um, I think because of my like, kind of small frame, um, it kind of suits me a bit better as well because you've got like obviously the track is only 200 meters and then with like the steep um bends and stuff i always seem to i always seem to run pretty well indoors um and i think kind of time of year suits me as well because i always go to altitude in january um so i'm usually coming into the start of the season off like a good a good pre-season camp and yeah like there's not there's probably not as much kind of pressure indoors as well you know what i mean because it's not it's, it's probably not as big a deal as outdoors in the way that like obviously you've the olympics um outdoor so it is like kind of what's what's targeted by most people um but then on top of that as well is like the 3000 meters is you know it's like a it's a recognized distance indoors more so than it is outdoors so like um like i'll be going to the world championships for the 3k um whereas there's no 3k in the world champs or the olympics outdoors and i think like 3k kind of at the moment seems to be where like maybe i'm kind of running my best i think like in time, it will be the 5K as I get older and like get kind of more miles into legs and stuff like that. But because I still have like, because I've got quite a good 1500 and then I have the strength from the 5K as well, the 3K kind of seems to be where I meet in the middle quite well. Um, so no, it definitely suits me. And um, at these championships two years ago, I got bronze in the 3K behind John Travers and he got an awesome. And that was my first, uh, my first ever national, like my first ever senior medal. Um, so no, I'm really looking forward to it, and like I love indoors as a whole. Like I've only ran twice, I've only raced twice this year as well. So I think I'm coming into it relatively fresh, kind of with the overall or the kind of main um, aim being the the world indoors in on the 18th of March. So I still, I suppose, it's kind of a weird one for me. Like obviously, I'm getting ready for the nationals, but I still have probably about like still four weeks 
until my kind of main target race. So I kind of need to, you know, keep a lid on it as well. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to it. We were chatting to Phil Healy a little bit earlier about the difference between the indoor and outdoor. And obviously you touched it there, Dara. It's a shorter lap as well. So how does that impact you, let's say tactics-wise, in a longer race like the 3,000 metres? Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly different because there's more... Um, because the bends are like steeped as well, like you have to be kind of careful, like if you're trying to pass people out and stuff, like it, well, it's, it's the same principle on the outdoor track that like you, if you're passing somebody out, you try and do it on the straight so you're not running an extra kind of bit of time. But obviously on the outdoors, you've got like, like, you know, about 100 metres of straight that you can use to get around somebody, whereas on indoors, it's probably only about 40, 40 metres before it starts steeping up into the bend again. Um, and so like for outdoors, you don't want to pass somebody out on the bend because you're running an extra couple of meters or whatever whereas in the indoors you have that as well as the fact you're actually running up a bit of a hill like you know what i mean because obviously it's steep so it is it's it, it is a lot more intense tactically like there's always stuff going on and like there's kind of there always seems to be a few more kind of trips and falls and kind of things that can go wrong and things things that can then you know subsequently go right and stuff like that so um you do probably have to be a little bit more aware kind of of your surroundings and stuff indoors you do outdoor um but yeah for me like I think it's important like just kind of same kind of principle of like getting on the rail staying on the staying on the curb like for as much of the race you can and if you are making a move to try and make it in that kind of 40 minute or 40 meter segment on either two straights um and yeah and like as I kind of touched on earlier because of my kind of shorter stature and I don't know I've heard like people have said to me before they think like think could be like parts of like playing other sports when I'm younger and stuff that like I tend to come off the bends quite well that I can like kind of like I don't know how to describe it like kind of dip into the bends and then kind of like kind of nearly slingshot out of them like I always feel good going around the bends nearly better than I do on the straights so I think that's why um that's why the indoors does kind of like suit me a little bit more um so I suppose yeah it's like it definitely does kind of add a different layer like um tactically like just with the kind of different ter- um you know like the different kind of terrain I guess in a way like you know because you're either up or you're down or whatever but it's uh no, it's definitely exciting. And I think like the kind of small, like compact arena as well usually makes for like a really good atmosphere and stuff. So yeah, no, I'm I love it to be fair. And you're coming into these national championships, Dara, off the back of running a, a new um indoor two thousand meter PB of seven forty five point nine one in Metz, France in the in the in the last couple of weeks. Like that's a great confidence boost heading into the national championships because you took I think almost five seconds off your previous BB. Um, it's an Irish under twenty three record and the world indoor qualifying standard as well. So you must feel in a pretty good place right now. Yeah, no, I do. To be fair, I think I've kind of kicked on. Um, I think I probably said it to you before the cross country in December as well. I kind of just feel like probably kind of coming off the back of last summer. I kind of just I don't really know what, like how or why, but I kind of just felt like I went to a bit of a new level, like you know. Um. And yeah, they like obviously had the Euro Cross there in December, and um, just kind of managed to get out the other side of that, like and kind of boot back up, and I've, I've definitely kind of kicked on again. So, um, <clears throat> like the race in Mets when I ran seven forty five, like it ticked all the boxes in the way of, as you said there, like I I wanted to get the, first and foremost get the world standard, which was seven fifty, and I did that, um, and then obviously subsequently ran a PB and um, bettered my own under twenty three indoor record, but like nearly the most kind of encouraging about it as well was that like it was a good like it was a good time but I don't think I ran like particularly well like the race wasn't kind of ideal in the way like I had to lead quite a lot of it um and run from the front quite a lot which is something that you don't really want to do um you know you'd rather kind of just sit in and be kind of towed along um 
So I think, yeah, as happy as I was with 7.45, I think like what was nearly kind of more encouraging was I came over the line thinking, yeah, like there's definitely a good bit more image, you know. Um, and to be fair, like in terms of going to the World Champs, like if you want to make a final there, you will have to be in like a, a, probably a 7.40 guy, you know, maybe low 7.40s, even high 7.30s. Um, that's kind of the level you're going to have to be at in order to compete with the guys to try and make a final. And like that's definitely my, my aim going out there as well. So I suppose it's kind of like... Um, having that kind of, you know, probably that kind of bit of confidence in the back of my mind, like, yeah, that, like, that I, because obviously to everybody else, I ran 7.45 and that was that, but I suppose I kind of just know myself it could have been a bit better, which is encouraging as well. Like you said, that's very encouraging to know, like you ran your your your, your PB, but there's there's more to come. So what needs to happen so for you to, to kind of, let's say, hit, run a new PB in the next couple of weeks, months or years? Is it all about the environment, the right race at the right time, everything come together or what? What helps an athlete run a PB? Yeah, definitely. Like the, like so much of it is just getting the right race on the right day. Like you know, you go to races sometimes, and like you might not be, you might not be prepared. And like it's happened to me before, where like you know, I'm probably looking at the guys two or three seconds above me, saying if I was that little bit fitter, it was a perfect race to try and run. You know, whatever. Um, and like it was kind of a weird one in Mets because I kind of just found myself at the front of that group. Um, whereas had it gone another way, if somebody else had hit the front and I was able to sit in, I think I definitely had another few seconds in there. So like really for 3K, you want somebody, you know, like running roughly the, the pace that you, like I think I could have ran say 740 dead, which is uh, like 745 is, is 31 second lap. So it's like 30 point, whatever. And like if I had somebody doing that and I was sitting in, I think I could have been able to do that and then hopefully kick off towards the end. Um, But like, you know, I suppose fitness trumps all in the way, like you need to just be, you need to always be ready because you won't always get those races, you know, which I think I learned, like, um, sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. But I think, I think for me, like this, the rest of the indoor season, like, I suppose if I do have a low 740 performance or a high 730 uh, 3K performance in me, like if I can use it in the world, in the world championships, that's when that's, you know, the best opportunity. And I think it's, it's pretty probable that like my heat at the world champs could very much go out at like, at that kind of pace and then it's for me just trusting that I have to work done and getting in and you know not going to be afraid to put the cat amongst the pigeons and like you know be like you know be competitive in it and and train yeah to train hold on to the end because then it could very much be a case of you know coming in top six or whatever in your heat or top six or seven and end up running low 740s you know um and then like yeah like going on from it then I suppose it's like for me it's just it's just about just keeping the consistency going like I've been very consistent over the last couple of years and I think I'm definitely kind of getting the results after the last couple of months, which is the most important thing. Like. World indoors in Belgrade, so obviously they're huge on the horizon, but they're a couple of weeks away yet. So it's about the National Senior Championships this weekend. So given given the form you're in, what's your expectation for this weekend? Um, yeah, like I suppose I'm, like I'm definitely going in trying to win it. Um, but, you know, the same as any National Championships, like there's going to be a lot of competition. Um and it's kind of it's it's a funny race, like obviously going off the entries for the three K, like you've got kind of I suppose the three names that probably jump out straight away would be myself, John Travers and Nick Griggs. Um and it's kinda of like a funny it's kinda of like a funny setup in the way that you have like, you know, John who's won so many national titles and you know, like has beaten me to national titles before and we've had like plenty of good kind of battles over the last like couple of years. Um and then you you obviously have me who's kind of just coming into like my own as a senior or whatever but then you've like you've Nick Griggs like he's only 17 um from Tyrone he's absolutely flying as well you know like he um like he brought my 
my uh, national under twenty record there a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, like he's in great shape as well. So I think it'd be I think it'd be an interesting um an interesting race. But like I yeah like I'm definitely going in. I suppose yeah with like both the hope and kind of the expectation of of winning it. Um, because like to be fair, like as much as I you know feel like maybe could have gone a bit quicker, like like my seven forty five I think was the fastest Irish indoor time since like two thousand and two. Um. So I mean I am I suppose yeah I probably on the form athlete coming into it I suppose it's just about kind of executing it on the day um but like saying that like I've obviously I've obviously got like an unbelievable amount of respect for for the lads in it and even like obviously I've mentioned two lads but like you've got a very good guys in it as well like Keelan Carrell's in it um Conor McGuire, Ephraim Giddy like there's loads of really good lads in it so it's going to be a very good race but um yeah I think it'd be foolish for me to kind of go in uh, you know race for anything other than than go like. How much do you thrive off that competition? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's so important. Like, and I think it's crazy, like, the last couple of years in, like, in Irish athletics, like, you know, like, the reason everybody's running as well, like, it's been unreal, like, the last kind of couple of, I suppose, a couple of weeks as well. Like, the indoor season's been very good, but even last summer, and, and it's, like, across the board, everybody's running so well. But, like, it's it's purely because you have to now, like, the times that people, are, like, the Irish people are running now are, like, internationally competitive. Whereas, like, back in the day, they weren't, you know what I mean? So, like, and I mean, it's definitely the case, even, like, for myself, like, if I, you know, if I could go into this national championships uh, as a favourite after running, I don't know, like, 805 for 3K, like, if that's the environment that you've been in for years, like, then it's very probable that that's the level I'd be at, like, do you know what I mean? Whereas, that's not the case, and it's not the case really across the board for any of the events. Like, you need to be, you need to be one of the top Europeans in your event to be, to be competitive at these national championships which is so important like and i think that's like that's the way that that everybody's going to improve so like at the moment like you know i mentioned those lads like but then even in 1500 you've got like luke mccann and andrew crosher who are both running unbelievably well this indoor season like you know putting up times that are like really competitive on international level and then that's that's what's important because then it, it filters all the way back because now if, even if you want to make a final you're probably running a time that six years ago might have got you a medal. Do you know what I mean? But it's just it's just leveling up across the board. And it's like every time, every time, like from my point of view, every time I see an athlete, like regardless of like whether they're like like a man or a woman or like whether they do my event or like like it could be like I could see like a, a woman break the Irish pole vault record and like I'll take that person be like, right, I need to do you know what I mean? And I think everybody's doing the same thing. Like it's like you kind of see everybody's doing so well and they kind of breaking new ground. You kind of just say to yourself, right, well, why am I doing that? You know what I mean? Um, which I think, I think that's been the main kind of key the last couple of years. Like it's just, and it, it kind of comes in ebbs and flows, I suppose. Cause like I've said this a few times, but like when I was, you know, I look back to like when I was say 15, 16 and I was coming through, like there wasn't really anybody at the front end of like any kind of international race. Like, well, like not any, but, I know, like, for me, I suppose, like, you're looking at, like, the men's kind of 15, 3, 5K. Like, I rarely kind of would have tuned in and seen an Irish vest or, like, you know, watched a Diamond League and seen an Irish person towards the front. Whereas the last couple of years, we have that. And then as a result, you know, there's more people kind of levelling up and more people, like, even wanting to run in the first place and things like that. So, like, I think it has a massive knock-on effect. And it is the competition that drives you on. Because, as I say, like, if you could be average and still be, you know, if you could be, average on the broad scheme of things but still win a national title I think it'd be very easy to fall into that trap whereas now it's at the case it's at the stage where like I'm looking to make a world final but and like any other year if you were looking to make a world final you'd walk 
international indoors, whereas I don't think that's the case this year, you know, which I think is important because that's the way that Irish athletics on the whole will improve. Like, and finally, Daryl, like we said, it's an exciting time for Irish athletics, but it's also an exciting time for West Cork athletics. And we have a two-page um, spread in this week's Southern Star just about the the sprint, the, the sorry, the strength of West Cork athletics right now. Obviously, we've yourself and Phil Healy and Shane Howard kind of um, national champions, national senior champions as well. But the likes of Nicola Tussle in, in the hammer, Jane, Jane Buckley from Leavale, Bandon of Adam, Fionn Harrington, there's uh, Lauren McCourt, Maeve O'Neill from Dawnies, and, and there's more besides that. It's just a great time for West Cork Athletics right now. And, and it's great to see that that next generation on the way up as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think like, in a way, like the same principle kind of applies that like people from... West Park in the last couple of years have had people to to look up to. Do you know what I mean? In the way, like you've like, because I like, geez, even for myself, like when I was probably that age, like kind of 15, 16, coming through, like that was when Phil Healy first started winning national titles and things like that. And even though obviously me and Phil are like completely different athletes, or being a sprinter and whatever, but it's like it's the same principle in the way that like if you can look around and see see people kind of you know like from your kind of area and whatever similar background to you doing great things then it kind of I suppose inspires you to do the same and like I would hope that like you know like from from my kind of success over the last couple of years that even like because I mean do you know like athletics is like what's so brilliant about athletics like it's just one of the most pure sports that you don't need anything to be good at it like you know what I mean like I trained until I was until I was 18 until I came up to college like I just trained on Bantry GA second pitch in whatever weather or trained around my own GA pitch at home do you know what I mean and that's the thing so it's like it doesn't really matter like you know like in other sports like you know you're not going to be a good high jumper unless you're tall or like you're not going to be a good like I don't know you're not going to be a good rower unless you live next to a river kind of thing but like when as a runner like you can do it from wherever so like that's what I think is so pure about it in the way that like everybody in West Cork should feel like and in fairness like the facilities are coming now as well because obviously Bandon are getting their track um and like yeah like things like that are great and obviously there's a track in Kinsale now and stuff like that as well but I think um no I think definitely just success breeds success that way like you know what I mean and it is like the, the kind of younger generation it feels weird talking about a younger generation because I would still class myself in that bracket but <laughs> the next kind of age group I suppose after me like I, I get great joy out of seeing them doing as well as they are like you know like you can tune into the European juniors over the summer there was because it was four or five I'd say from West Cork was there I know Five, yeah, five, five yeah. yeah, five, yeah, yeah. Like that's, geez, I, I'd say that probably never happened before. Do you know what I mean? So, no, things like that are, it's really encouraging across the board. And I think, I think definitely for the next few years, we'll probably keep on seeing the knock-on effects of that. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, our West Cork Athletics is on a high right now, and hopefully it'll be a, a great weekend for West Cork athletes at the Senior National Championships this weekend. Best of luck, Dara. Cheers, Karen. Access Credit Union now offers Cultivate Farm Finance and is ready to support local farmers. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by their credit union. To find out more, go to www.accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate or call on 028-21883. Kieran, before we preview this week's Southern Star Sports section, there was a sporting event both you and I were watching on Saturday evening, and that was the Amir Khan versus Kelbrook grudge match on Sky Box Office. What did you make of the fight? Did you enjoy it? The fight was obviously 10 years too late, as uh, everyone has been saying online. But from uh, 
spectacle perspective, shall we say? Did you have a good night's entertainment from the 25 quid or so you would have spent or uh, other means you may have watched it by? I'll, uh, I'll plead the fifth on that one, Jack, how <laughs> oh, I got to watch the fight. But um, I wouldn't be a boxing aficionado as much as you in my knowledge you'd put in the back of a postage stamp. And I think my knowledge shows up the fact that I WhatsApped you before the fight and I said, Team Ken. And within 20 minutes, I was changing my verdict to Team Brooke. Um, it, was, it was good fun. It was, it, was, it was a grudge match that, like you said, probably a good few years too late. But even the build-up, and obviously the two boys just don't like each other at all. And that was very evident in the, in the, in the lead-up to this fight. And even when the Sky Sports, the, the gloves are off um, show, like that was, that was good entertainment because it looked like Ken was getting under Brooke's skin there and it looked like Brooke was fairly rattled. But when it came to the actual action itself, it was Brooke that rattled Ken and it, it was very one-sided. So as a as a boxing fan yourself, Jack, and as, as a boxer yourself, what did you what do you make of the one-sided nature of it? Were you, were you surprised that Brooke was so dominant? Um in it's 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 hard to say surprised, like um, because Khan, this was his first meaningful fight in nearly three years. Like he had one kind of circus fight down in Dubai against some uh, nobody, you know, just kind of a, a money spinning event, and he looked okay, but in his last a meaningful fight where he fought the kind of pound for pound possibly number one Terence Crawford he he basically quit in the ring and it was like that's pretty much him finished and that's nearly three years ago now but Terence Crawford followed up that win over Khan with a, a dominant victory over Kell Brook as well and I also said the same thing like geez these lads just can't compete at the top level anymore so it was probably the perfect fight for both at this stage of their careers to meet each other make a pile of money and leave on a high. I, what I will say I was surprised about was how impressive Kell Brook was. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to come in in as good shape. He struggled with his weight throughout his career, but he actually looked imperious. He looked almost back to his best pre his fight with Golovkin. So Kell Brook was one of the best welterweights in the world. Then he stepped up to middleweight, fought Golovkin. And ever since then, he's had trouble with his eyes. He had both his orbital bones broken so I thought he was well past his sell by date but after seeing his performance against Khan it's like people are saying oh maybe he could fight Eubank Jr. now maybe he could fight Conor Ben there's still life in the old dog yet but Joe I would say let Kell Brook retire with a career defining victory against his oldest rival a pile of money in the bank and like his entrance a big part of boxing is the, the, the pizzazz that goes around with it and Kell Brook's entrance throughout his career has always been spectacular and it was at its most spectacular on Saturday night they had the piano intro for Kanye West's All of the Lights and the phones or whatever lighters that they had in the stadium just looked spectacular on television I'm sure it was brilliant to be there as well the atmosphere was raucous despite the fact that the undercard was possibly the worst in living memory but it was all about the main event and uh, the show that went around it so yeah just from a pure Saturday night entertainment's point of view I thought it was brilliant it was a bit hard to watch Amir Khan take the punishment he took because he just didn't look really like he wanted to be there for a lot of it he looked like Bambi at times you know just couldn't find his feet but um, yeah, it was. And good he was waving see. the white flag afterwards, wasn't he? Even his interview with Sky Sports after, when he said like, and if his his love or passion for the sport isn't there, it's almost. I'm not saying he was making excuses, but you could see that he was like he he was like the white flag was raised, and that there was one point there before the sixth round when it even looked like is he going to come back out for the next round? He was getting so well beaten, and it's like there was a strange moment where he was um he was looking, he went over to the corner, and he was looking down, and they were waiting to come up to him and stuff, and you're wondering. Yeah. What's going on here? But just on the entrances, right? Kell Brook was very good. 
I thought I wasn't impressed with Emmer Kent entrance at all. All of a sudden, he was walking through a garage and past all these these different um, vehicles in the underneath the the stadium. And next thing, he just walked out, and it wasn't impressive at all. Just from my point of view, I I that actually was. If we're talking about white flags. That was a red flag for me uh, at the at the time. I was like, because they put such effort into Kel Brook's entrance, like the production. Kel Brook was dialed in like you could see it in his eyes he was there to fight whereas Amir Khan was like they first showed him walking out of a dressing room across the road it was almost like he was coming from a different building and he's like oh I'll be okay kind of a thing no he, he didn't look like I thought from Bell 1 he did not look not I wouldn't say interested but he didn't look present do you know what I mean fight. he didn't look up for it or something yeah, and he didn't the, look, yeah. the, the entrance uh, all muted yeah muted it was entrance. muted it was just like Joe, there was this, uh, like for people who didn't watch, there was a delay at the start of the fight because there was an issue with Kelbrook's gloves and Team Amir Khan wanted him to change his gloves. So they were playing all sorts of dirty tricks from what I could tell, just from watching on television. And I wouldn't be surprised if like the Khan team were like up until the last minute, kind of not wanting to go through with it because they probably didn't have a proper training camp, judging by what you hear in the, the whispers on social media or on various boxing podcasts, whereas Kelbrook had trained like it was... The biggest fight of his career so there were probably were you know a bit of indecision on Khan's part he knew he wanted to go through with the fight because he was going to make you know probably 20 million pounds or something but the fact that he actually had to fight to make that money I'm sure um disappointed because if you hear him speaking Khan like it's sad to say but he does seem to have a touch of what they would have called in olden times like the punch drunkenness like his formation of sentences has dwindled in the last number of years like he's taken some serious blows Throughout his career, he's been one of the most knocked out, you know, world class boxers that you'd ever see, which have made his career so exciting because you never knew whether he was going to get knocked out or knock someone out. So, yeah, she's just please God, it's the last time we see him in anything meaningful. He can go and fight maybe Joe, some YouTube star or uh, WWE wrestler, or, but I don't want to see him because he's a legend. Like, I absolutely loved Amir Khan throughout his career. Followed him since the 2004 Olympics when he won silver as a 17 year old. But, uh, now is the time. What we need to, Jack, what we need to, friend of the show, Adam Smith was obviously there in Sky Sports Boxing. We need to put a call out for to Adam. I think he needs a Star Sport podcast at the next high-profile English boxing oh, yeah. um, grudge match, whether that's Chris Eubank Jr., who was, you can see, he was angling for the Kelbrook fight after. He was almost trying to beef up a grudge that isn't as big as as people might think it is. You could see he's kind of, um, he was he's eyeing up Brooke, but if Adam Smith, fan of the show, I'm sure he listens to us every week. If he wants us to come over and add a bit of colour and life to the next um, Sky Sports boxing box office event, we'll be there, Jack. Yeah, absolutely. So there's the call, Adam. If you need a, a kind of a new, since like a lot of the broadcasting team that used to work with Sky have left to go to the zone, if you need to fill any of those gaps, me and Kieran are available at a very good rate. All we want is our flights paid for and maybe a hotel and some breakfast. Would that do us, Kieran? And breakfast, that's it. Yeah, and uh, we'll make our own way to the stadium. I'm sure we yeah. can get a taxi or something, but yeah, yeah we're very, exactly. we're very low we, cost. And we'll expense the taxi to the Southern Stars so Sky won't have to cover all our costs. So yeah, that's, like our pitch. that's our pitch. Our, that's our, um, our audition for the Sky Sports Boxing Punditry team. But anyway, Kieran, much more importantly, then 20,000 people in the Manchester arena is what is going to be in this week's Southern Star sports section. We already mentioned the brilliant spread, which Kieran has shown me a preview of the athletics. What else can readers expect? I presume you're going to have some pretty dour analysis of the Cork footballers over the weekend. 
Yeah, it was a bad weekend for the Cork men's and ladies footballers. So the Cork, both teams actually are in relegation trouble. So the Cork men's team lost to Derry and they're home to Galway in Parky Cueve this Saturday evening. So it's a, it's a must-win game for Cork, but the odds are that they're not going to win it because Galway are one of the favourites to win promotion to Division 1. And then with the ladies footballers, they shipped a heavy defeat to Dublin last weekend. That means Cork have lost to both Mead and Dublin in the last two weeks. So they're going to head into their their final group game against Waterford in a couple of weeks' time. Um, both teams have lost both games so far, so the loser of this game will be in the relegation pl- um, playoff. And Cork boss Shane Ronane pulled no punches after this um, the performance against Dublin. He said it bordered on embarrassing at times and it didn't work hard enough. So we've that and more in, in Thursday Southern Star. But in the good news, the Cork Camogie team they beat Clare away last Sunday. That was a good win in the league, even though it's probably been a bit overshadowed by the fact that Davy Fitz, the new Cork Camogie coach, got sent off um, late in the game, as, as well as the Clare, one of the Clare giant managers. But the, at least the Cork Camogie team have started on the front foot. Can we, talk about that? Well. Can we talk about that just for a brief moment? Like, I'm sure you've seen the video and uh, I don't know what you make of it all because you'd assume Davy was brought in to add like some experience to the Cork management team, and there's always a risk when you hire a David Fitzgerald that there are going to be some Joe flare-up moments throughout the season because that's just the nature of his character, and we all expect and accept that. But Jesus Christ, it was uh, it, it, it was just overshadows like it, it was it was a national camogie game like you two good teams there in Cork and. And Claire and those players had to wait around while this thing was getting sorted five minutes from the end. Like it's kind of when you see the headlines on Monday in the in some of the, the national um on, on the websites and so on from the various the national media organizations, it was more about Davy Fitzred carded rather than Cork Camogie um got their league off to a winning start that Amy O'Connor played well, that Sorka McCartan, a new player from down, now, played quite what, well. And so I'm gonna be devil's advocate here. And make the point that, and this is like um, uh, more of a, a black mark against the Irish media than anyone else. But there's a, a case to be made that had Davy not been shown a red card, that there would have been no coverage of the 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 the, the yeah. result in like the homepage of the various websites. As you mentioned, they're usually buried down somewhere on page six, seven, or eight. Mm. So um, maybe he's a that's the reason he's a headline yeah. grabber. Now I'm not saying that's a, a, a good or good or bad or indifferent, but. It's a, it's a, it, it is a strange one because I would tend to agree with you that those types of um, actions don't help matters or don't improve no. the lot of Camogie, really. It's, uh, it doesn't it's, do anyone any favours, you know, no. kind of you'd hope that we won't have too many Davy Fitz headlines for the wrong reasons this year. Like you're, he's there as coach of the Cork Camogie team to improve this team and get them one step closer to winning the All-Ireland. So hopefully that's where they'll end up later in the year. But you'd hope we won't have headlines like we saw on Sunday night and, and Monday. But the but the good news is that Cork Camogie did win. But and another piece of bad news is um Cork boss Matthew Toomey revealed afterwards that Fiona Keating is out for six weeks. She broke her hand in training last week. And Fiona again is a friend of the show here. She's the Corsi Rovers forward, um, one of Cork's best young players. So she's gonna miss a huge chunk of the league with that injury. So we've that and a lot more in Thursday Southern Star. And on, on Saturday Trina Rangers women's team will make West Cork League history when they become the first women's team from the region to compete in a in a Munster competition. So I caught up with their manager, Mike Doolin, just for a small chat about that. And um, that's at two o'clock in Drina on Saturday. And he makes the point that 
the Drina Rangers and they have two an A and B team in the West Cork Women's Seven Aside League. He says they're the worst supported team in the club because besides a son or daughter or a husband of one of the players, no one turns up to watch the Drina Rangers women's team. So he's calling on, on, on local sports fans and sports fans in general just to give this Drina Rangers women's team some support on Saturday because they're going into, into the unknown. Okay, they're making history. They're going to be the first West Cork League women's team to play in Munster. But here in West Cork, they play in a seven-a-side AstroTurf League. That's what it is. There's no 11-a-side um, women's league on grass in West Cork. But on Saturday, they're playing 11-a-side and they're playing on grass. So they're very much, like I said, they're going into the unknown. Like They'll be up against this um, on, 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 on Saturday. So hopefully we'll have fans turn out to cheer them on and give them a bit of support because it's it's good news for women's soccer in in, in West Cork and it's uh it's 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 just a positive to have. Um as well as that we have an interview with uh, Florio Driscoll he's the Island Rovers selector just on their season ahead and how the club is trying to regroup with a couple of West Cork Sports Star Awards presentations last week to Jane Buckley the young Newstone athlete um who's been making headlines for all the right reasons in the last couple of months and to Tygo Sullivan he's the Coursey Rovers captain so we've that and as well one of my favourite pieces this week we have Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings our listeners will know him quite well he's been on the podcast a good few times with us he has a, a full page explaining why John Hodnett from Ross Garbury is so good and this is a brilliant piece like Tom Savage knows he's Robbie inside out and back, back to front and he just explains in, in such easy terms what makes former Carberry Rangers footballer John Hodnett such a precocious rugby talent. And he explains why Munster tied him down on a, on a new contract, even though he'd years to run on his current contract. So it's a really good read as well. So there's, there's lots to sink your teeth into in Thursday Southern Star. Yeah, and that will, of course, be available in shops across West Cork and further afield from Thursday. But if you can't make it to the shops, you can always subscribe online to our digital edition. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can subscribe to the Southern Star for less than two euro per week. As I mentioned on Thursday, we'll be releasing a second special podcast this week where we're going to be joined by Cork GEA CEO Kevin O'Donovan to talk about a multitude of things, including his favourite Ed Sheeran song. Well, we might not ask him that, but maybe we will. We'll see. Um, but of course, we'll talk to him about the Parker Cueve situation, the appointment of Keith Rickon, fixtures, structures and everything in between. So that will be out on Thursday. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomlach.